Hey, Peppin. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, you ever been in a dungeon before? Oh, well, there's that time with the mistress, and, you know, she's kind of nice. No, but... no, no, not a sex dungeon. Uh, oh, well. A dungeon, a dungeon, like, that has, like, skeletons and, like, uh, bad slimes and... Bad slimes? Maybe a, maybe oh, well... a manticore. Okay, okay. I, I dig this. No, but uh, I'm intrigued. Have you? Well, I have. I've created some myself, too. Ooh. In a good good game made by Mr. Gygax called Dungeon and Dragon. Oh, Dungeon and Dragon. I think I've heard of that. Is that with, uh, what's his name? Uh, George Stiller? Uh, no, I think that's Seinfeld. <laughs> okay. Um, Henry Cavill? N Nate, we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going today, Pepin? Yo, yo, I'm doing well. How about you, Meter? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. And we are joined by the host of Roll With Me, Wingate CV. How's it going today, Michael? You guys are weird, man. <laughs> what makes you say that? Dun no, it's fine. Dungeon Dungeon Dragon with Henry with Henry Cavill. Uh, <laughs> guest starring Henry Cavill. <laughs> guest starring Henry Cavill. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a it's a weird Saturday morning. It snowed this morning. That's weird. I don't that love that, weird. but uh, I love talking about Dungeons and Dragons. So glad to be here. Fair enough. So when you do it, there's a couple of them. There's there's multiple dungeons. Uh, also multiple dragons. Wow. So. Yeah, it's best way a little to more it. opportunity, like variety down the line. Now you have a show called Roll with Me. Tell us briefly what that's about. I do. Uh, Roll with Me is kind of a, an all-encompassing uh, tabletop role-playing game podcast. Uh, a lot of the episodes are typically uh, interview style. Uh, so I'll sit down with uh, a, a gamer or um, someone who is in the nerd culture. Um, from any walk of life, I've had actors and athletes and musicians and all sorts of different people on to talk about their relationship with role-playing games uh, as I try to learn everything about them as I possibly can because they're so culturally important and culturally relevant and are more popular now today than ever. Uh, so I spend a lot of time talking with fellow nerds from all different cultures about our nerddom, about D&D &D and Pathfinder and... Uh, lasers and feelings and all sorts of great games so that is to say you are an expert on the subject well okay so i'm not an expert i i've been playing role-playing games for 10 years and i'm fascinated with them um i've learned a lot uh, throughout throughout my show interviewing actual real experts people have been playing for you know 30 plus years um, who have tons of experience with it. Uh, I've learned a lot, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I'd say I'm an, an enthusiast. I've got a good good library of knowledge on it, though, yeah. Are you close to your 10,000 hours? My 10,000? I've... Oh, um, over the last well. 10 years? Yeah, well, I guess over the last 10 years? Um... Yeah, I've, I've, I've put in, I've put in a, a few thousand hours. You're I'm pretty expert. close. I'm getting, getting close. You're okay. an expert. You have proficiency. Sure. 
I do have proficiency. <laughs> you have proficiency in D&D. Trained. Now, Trained. Nathan, what do you know about D&D? And I'm not talking about double Ds. Uh, Different well, thing. Okay. So I know... I know one of those you're an expert in. A lot, but also very little. Because okay. I'm, I'm very strange. Because uh, back in the day, uh, there was a content creator named uh, Spoony One, uh, Noah Antweiler. And he made lots of content kind of similar to that guy with the glasses. Uh, but he also made all these D&D videos where he would tell stories about, like, epic tales and stuff. And I had no clue. Counter Monkey. Yeah, Counter Monkey. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And he had all these stories. Most of it was D&D, but some of it was, like, uh, cyberpunk and some was, like, other stuff. And he was just so good at telling these stories. Like, I just got wrapped into it. I was like, oh, this is really interesting, really intriguing. And for whatever reason, uh, I binged a bunch of videos, like, maybe a couple months ago, like, D&D stories from other people. And I've also looked into the mechanics of D&D. That, that's a little bit different, though, because uh, there's this new game coming out sometime, uh, Baldur's, Great, Baldur's Gate 3, I think. And okay. it's going to be based on, uh, you know, version 5 of the whole rulebook thing. But I've never played D&D myself, but... <laughs> just the the the, uh, the little uh malifors and their malapropisms are just like oh you're so close bud you're so close <laughs> like it, close enough i know what you're talking about exactly. baldur's gate's really old i remember playing that on the gamecube with my brother back when i was in high school or younger oh, well baldur's gate actually goes all the way back to original dungeons and dragons advanced D from from the um late 70s early 80s that's a, like gygax original advanced D red box baldur's gate was um was an expansion mm-hmm. um and they have so so have you ever heard of the betrayal game um, um, not that it's like a haunted house kind of game. They have, they've got a couple different versions. Um, super, super fun board game. Uh, but they, they have like a betrayal at Baldur's gate. They've got the Baldur's gate video games. They've got Baldur's gate books. Like it's a, it's a big cornerstone of original D and D culture. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I learned all about the mind flayers and those things are pretty cool. Yeah. And mind flayers are wild. And uh, what were they called? Abominations that come from different universes. I don't know. The, the, the lore in D&D is actually very intriguing. It's it's very multifaceted. It is. And so much has drawn from it since since its invention. And and I think vice versa. I'm sure it was inspired by so many things in and of itself. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I read a thing once about that, like, he was, when Gygax was playing D&D, like, his wife thought he was cheating on him. So she, like, yeah. bust, busted in one time, and she's like bunch of nerds sitting around a table rolling dice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is when they were like play testing this is when they were like coming up with the the way to do the game so imagine how nerdy like imagine like 19 like mid 1970s imagine how nerdy it was to like sit in a basement with with a with your friends and roll dice right just at like 13 14 years old super super nerdy try it at like 40 years old but also instead of just rolling dice you're like you've got pages and pages of notebooks like paper scrawled everywhere with little like little notations and and equations written out because you have to balance all of these mechanics and all of these dice everywhere but just a bunch of grown men talking about fairies and elves and trolls and orcs and Hmm. and writing out mathematical equations about how they would actually work so so that that's one thing that's intriguing to me so because I didn't know what D&D was, even from the Spoony Ones whole thing. I watched a couple of videos from Critical Role, so I have a better idea of it. But yeah. uh, like a lot of people probably aren't familiar with what it is exactly. But 
like my perception of, from never playing it is it's like there's a dungeon master who might come up with a story or they might say borrow a story from some other say place and then they have like it's essentially it's a setup game there's pieces and stuff you can move around and people play these characters and some people will say role play their character and try to pretend to be that character and sometimes they just kind of like go in just to kill things kind of like uh, skyrim uh and there's these storylines and they could go on just one game it could go many games but there's like a fantasy setting usually but it's kind of fantasy sci-fi sometimes and they level up their characters they do quests to do things but it's kind of like a video game rpg but just very very loose and you know what's real or what works in the game and what doesn't is all dependent upon the dungeon master essentially is that like a good synopsis that's pretty much it yeah, you are very close. The The one way that I would tweak that, um, I think, is just boiled down the simplest way that I've heard D&D ever um, related or relayed to uh, to modern audiences is, is um, from uh, a guy named Spencer Crittenden, who uh, is the <laughs> dungeon master from Harmon Quest. He, he was uh, Dan Harmon's personal assistant for a while. He's a, um, he's a Hollywood producer and actor and, and whatnot. Um, but Spencer Crittenden always introduces his shows when he does a, a podcast or does a show or something with D&D. He describes D&D like this. Think of it as a video game, like Skyrim, exactly like how you said, you know, like with those video game RPGs. But instead of a computer, you have a person, the dungeon master. So you tell the computer what you're trying to do. You press X, you press A, and the computer tells you whether or not that is a success or a failure. So the, the computer basically rolls these whether your attack hits or fit or misses is up to the computer well that's basically what the dm is the dm is the is the processor is the mm-hmm. is the computer and the dice are the way to mitigate the successes and failures that's it right and, and so with the dice so you roll dice for probability so whether you hit how much damage you do and everything and it seems like as far as i can see from the outside is that the whole luck involved in DD is a big part of the culture like people say d20 a lot or D one, yep, and D one. Yeah, D- why D- roll a dice? Not one. D one. Not one. At one. Not, not so, so. A natural. When, yeah. When you so when you roll a D twenty. Mm-hmm. Um. So so the, the term like D twenty means twenty sided die. Mm-hmm. So D six six sided die D eight D twelve D ten percentile would be two D tens, um, or a D one hundred. So uh, nat 1 and nat 20, and it stands for natural. So the natural 20, if you roll a 20 on a 20-sided die, is the best roll you could possibly make. It's an automatic success in basically any role-playing game ever. Um, that's the one. What is that, icosahedron? Is that what that is? Um, <laughs> look at you go. Right, I've got a go. bunch of them. They're all out of reach. Um, but... Uh, a nat one is the worst role you can possibly get um, and a lot of people say like natty bones uh, nat 20 natty twonzo natty onezo are, are all different like ways to say it if you have a modifier like you have a plus five and you roll a 15 it's a dirty 20 because it equals 20 but you didn't roll a nat 20 there's a whole culture that goes along with it that's right and and with the whole like natural 20 and critical failure like the the, the one mm-hmm. so if let's say you get a critical failure in something that is like the results of that aren't like say set in stone it's kind of like determined by the dungeon master is that right because 
yeah i've heard some weird stories about that like someone does a critical failure and they like you know fall and you know slip down someplace or they do this or do that so so that, yeah. that's one thing that intrigues me because with video games if let's say you just have a critical failure you just die or you know nothing really bad happens exactly or let's say you have a because right, you can respawn yeah yeah or, or do you just reroll your save state too which you know maybe you can play a different exactly. way but the, the idea that there's say things that can't be easily programmed I, I think that's the open kind of narrative structure which is intriguing to me in dnd that's why i kind of like hearing the stories like people tell these stories and they sound like they're real to them yeah oh they do yeah and i mean it definitely depends on the party and like who is going to like who's actually gets into the storyline their own character things like that the way so i dm for for a couple of different groups and the way i like to explain it is as the dm i have a story that I'm trying to tell. I have this path that they're going on, uh, and it's telling this story. Um, and while I'm doing that, every character has their own story that they are personally telling. So everyone is telling a story while on this grander story, uh, and it really makes it super interesting when everyone actually like wants to tell a good story themselves and wants to follow that main story and use that main story to help tell their own story. Uh, it can get really, really fun when you have a really engaged group. Absolutely. And that's the fun of it. That's like <clears throat> the collaborative storytelling lends itself to uh, some of the most honest moments between friends. I mean, you can start a D&D group of people that you've never met before and end up best friends six months later. Or you can ha start a D&D group of, of really close friends and, and be inseparable for your entire lives. I've been playing with the same group of people since I was 20, uh, since, sorry, since I was uh, 14 years old. I've been playing with the same group of people. Um, and we just we keep having regular games. We've got like a Sunday game and a Monday game and a Tuesday game, and and it's just cycles between you know different iterations of those people. But it's the same group, same crew we've been playing with for you know for twelve years, thirteen years. It's wild. It's pretty dense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I it's been something I've been willing or wanting to get into myself, but it seems like a lot of time because it, it seems like setting up times in general is just kind of difficult. So that's that's pretty impressive for twelve years. Like. The time is really only on the on the uh, dungeon master. You you can phone in pretty much any other role in Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or what have you. The DM does all of the work and all of the prep. It's basically just setting aside you know three hours a week, one one night a week to play. Mm -hmm. Right, M Meter. You're saying that you've been a dungeon master recently, or you started getting into it, and that it's a lot of preparation. Yeah, I'm. It doesn't. You know, it and it depends on the person. Um, I'm me, so I way over prepare for everything. So I've probably dumped a hundred hours into the campaign before we even did a single session. Um, writing uh writing a skeleton to a storyline. I wrote out every NPC they might meet for the first three towns, which is probably going to be I'm set now to not have to write anything for maybe a year before they actually like well, and unless well unless. But every <laughs> every NPC like has their own quest line. If they want to interact with that NPC, they can open up a quest line by doing so, um, or they can just follow the main quest. Which, I, I, from what I found, is what most people do is they just end up following. You know, we have this main mission. That's what we're following. But it kind of does also add it adds depth to the the world, um, and it also gives me the opportunity to be able to like add in flavor and. 
um, possible hooks for in the future or maybe side things people can be doing while they're doing the main quest. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of extra work studying people's character sheets so I know everything that's in their inventory and everything that's in their spell slots, all the feats they can do, all that stuff. And and that is all well and good and and bravo for for that um, because yeah certainly I mean the keeping track of your players equipment and their feats and their spells is very very important um, I would warn you about about writing a campaign unless you know your party very very well which it seems that you that you do you know the like dynamic of your party um, but when when writing a campaign it's it's great to have the the bare bones the outline of a story. Um, but I would warn you not to get too, too detail oriented in, in writing out the story, because what happens when you say, OK, well, we've got this um, there's there's a maiden and she has been kidnapped from this town and she's been taken to the south by this dragon. And you it is your your uh, journey is to find this. this Your quest is to find this this dragon and and defeat the dragon and save the maiden, store peace to the town. And your party says, yeah, but I heard there's this fuck off good tavern over to the west, so we're gonna go to this next town over and check out the brothel. You know, your dragon doesn't really. Yeah, I'm gonna do something else. <laughs> uh, okay, you set off to the west. Uh, you travel for about half a day, and then yeah. you come to a roadblock. Sure. Guess what? You're going on my fucking path. Fucking railroad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll railroad the fuck out of you if I have to. Like, uh, and and I try not to. Uh, the parties that I play with. Are they want to progress the story? They understand, like I've dumped yeah, time no, no, into no, this, so they're not dicks. Um, yeah, <laughs> and they're not they're not trying to just circumnavigate the the actual plot. Um, so I've been really lucky in that regard because I have heard a lot of tales about murder hobos who will just run around and kill any NPC they see. They have no town. Okay, they have no party. home. They just walk around and kill people. Yeah, you could be evil. You can be as evil as a day is long, man. It's wild. Hey, Mark Marshall's watching. Hey, what's up, Mark? Um, oh, am I allowed to do shout-outs, too? We got... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, Mark. Welcome, hey. welcome to watching the show. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, Mark. Oh, Mark's a, Mark's a fellow nerd. Hey, Mark, have you, have you heard about Maine Whoopie Pies? I don't know why they're on my <laughs> mind so much right now. This is actually, uh, this is a, like, parody shirt for the, uh, the Fisher Cats. The, um, oh. or not the Fisher Cats, the, uh, Sea Dogs, Portland Sea Dogs. My brother is a uh, works for the for the Sea Dogs, and he designed the. They did a they do a redesign every year for um, you know they have like like a guest mascot, and they were the Whoopie Pies last year. Oh, that's actually yeah. that's a really nice sweatshirt. So Thanks. this is this is a really <laughs> dumb question, but uh, does everyone want to be a dungeon master? Is that something everyone no. aspires to? No, it's a lot I, of work. I've been playing for. It is. It's a ton of work. I've been playing for eleven years before I started. Before I like ran my first game. So okay. So let's say someone's in a game. Are they envious of that person, or are they just like fuck that shit? No. I mean, it depends on the person. Like, but yeah. it, it's it's a lot of work, and it's it's also fun. Like playing with a bunch of people who had never played. We oh, all just like it. started playing. That's wild. Um, That's cool. So. I had never had the opportunity to be a character, so I wanted to be a character, and so I ended up finding another group that I was able to be a character um, in that group, which was really fun to be a character. So both sides are really fun for me, but I'm also a control freak, so being a DM <laughs> is great for me because I can control everything and I can like guide the story along and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess it depends on the person, you know? Yeah, I think for me... 
Uh, I have the utmost respect for DMs. I, throughout my entire gaming life, have played through all of these stories, whether they were out of a book, because you can buy modules that have stories, or whether they were homebrewed. Um, and and I have experienced so much of like the intellectual property, you know, if you will, of of all of these people that I've been hanging out with for you know over a decade. And boy, do I respect them. Uh, but there is a reason I only run one game. You know, I, I play I play in four games a week, um, including like special one shots and stuff. And like my my podcast aside, I do a lot of I do a lot of gaming for the podcast. A lot of it gets recorded and and edited and put in as episodes. Um, but my like leisure gaming, most of it, I'm not running. I I take a step back and I sit down because I love playing the characters. I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love not having to worry about everybody else's storyline for once. <laughs> Which I love knowing everybody else's storyline and like helping helping yeah. direct that and stuff. Sure. Uh, wh- one of the groups I'm with is really into uh, the actual like storytelling elements of it, which is so, so fun. Yeah. Because after every session, each one of them will reach out to me privately and will go over like, here's what I want to, what I want for my character in the future. Here's what I thought about what happened, what yeah. I think about what I want to do next session, the things I aspire to. And then I we work that. together to find ways to like make that happen. Oh yeah. Um, and the goal is to never be like, no, you can't do that. But rather let's find a way to make that work in the world, in the mm-hmm. story. You mm-hmm. want to have your familiar pop up? Yeah. Let's get you the ingredients you need for that. Let's make that happen next session. Cause that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Like I just had a character die uh, in a Pathfinder session, and my my GM. Uh, it, it was it was pretty brutal. Like, and it was all by the book. Everything was rules, and it was part of a module. He wasn't throwing anything. Like, it wasn't an unbalanced encounter. It was just bad rolls, bad luck, and it was only our second session. And it was a character that I was really excited about. Everybody was really excited about. It was just a fun time overall, and he died. Mm-hmm. So instead of like trying to. You know, we're level one instead of being, you know, retconny and and Deus Ex Machina and having come back to life, which would be ridiculous. You know, let's accept it. Let's... Made a new character, and we decided that as a little like fun thing, because my character died, he gets a unicorn. My new guy, he just he's just riding around on a unicorn. Why? Because we fucking can. Because it's Dungeons yeah, and Dragons, we can fucking <laughs> do that. So how does that work exactly? So you, you die, your character dies. Like yeah. you keep playing yeah. though. So let's say is this kind of like let's say you're playing a game of what's an equivalent game? Let's say you're playing like a card game. I don't know, Go Fish or something. And you know sure. you end up losing, and then you just have to let other people play. Or let's say Monopoly, right? So Monopoly, one person goes bankrupt, and then they uh-huh. stop playing. And then it's just two people. So you have to join. Well, and you join back kinda. at some point, or how, how does that work? Kind of. What really blows is if your character dies at the beginning of the session. <laughs> because, <laughs> because then you're spending the rest of the session making a new character and listening to your friends play. Um, but yeah, you, typically, so what happens if your character dies, unless your party has the magical abilities to resurrect them, which usually doesn't come until like 10th to 14th level, depending on the game you're playing, um, you accept that loss. That character is Kaputsky. Um, you you ceremonially burn their character sheet, <laughs> um, and uh, and and you roll a new character at at whatever. Typically, I've I've never heard it any other way, but I can imagine that some people would do this. You typically roll a new character at whatever level everybody else is currently mm-hmm. at in the in the game. 
Right, right. That, that's very intriguing. It's very different than, say, like most video games or any video games that you play because uh, like, it's all about replayability. You die, you just restart. And I, I get that from video games kind of sense. But, you know, everyone's like a... They, they save scum, I think is the term for it. So, like, they'll just reload saves or, you know, they get a do-over. They're like... Right. They, they, they lose one of their, say, favorite people, you know, and it's like... Like, I used to play a lot of uh, strategy games and sometimes I lose a battle and I just reload because I lost my favorite, you know, say, battalion or whatever. And sure. I'm just like everyone does that but it's kind of strange that this kind of embraces the the death of characters in a way absolutely well think about it this way you're playing a video game right you're on story mode and your character is so insignificant to the larger story that when you die if your character dies you just restart at that same checkpoint that you were last at but as a con completely different character with entirely different stats with an entirely different background every time you die you just start over at that checkpoint with a completely new person. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. One, one thing I try to do when I play games recently is I try to role play them a little bit and try to like accept consequences. So yeah, there, yeah. there's. Have you ever played The Witcher game? Witcher three, dude, is so good. So with Witcher three, there's sometimes you can make bad choices and people die or th things go wrong and. Mm -hmm. I had a rule when I was playing that game. If if I make a mistake, and let, let, let's say I discern a situation, and you know I play as I think Geralt would play, and yeah. something goes wrong and it gets fucked up, I don't reload the save. I just accept that you know I I lost this one. Yeah, that's it. That's and, it. It's just like not having the option. You you do not have the option to go back and reload your save. That's all. And a lot of people, when they have that issue, this kind of reload and like, oh, crap, I missed this thing. It's like, that, that's the thing. You missed it. <laughs> oh, there was a plus. There's a plus three great sword uh, just chilling in that dungeon. Had you looked in the corner, you would have found it. But too late now. Right. You, can, you can ride seven days back to find it, but it might be gone. And I mean, that there, I have the equivalent of that as a DM where you can kind of fudge some things uh, in order to keep the game going. So um, session one was just like a, um, I had everybody start in a tavern and there was like a, a couple of different things you could do. You could either be part of the talent show. Hold on. The you had them start in a tavern. Of course. That's like, uh, that's like the, <laughs> like the most cliche. Yeah. They had never played game. before. So the cliche is the best thing to do because you, you've never played. So it's all yeah. novel now. So they could they could either join um, they could either do the talent show, a drinking competition, or an arm wrestling competition, or be one of the judges. Um, so this <laughs> gave you know different people the chance to a uh, barbarian would do the arm wrestling, or a sure, dwarf yeah. might do the drinking competition, a bard may do the, the hey, talent racist. show. That's racist. Um, We're talking about classes. We're talking about classes, not not races. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, <laughs> Then what class is a drinking class then? Um, I don't know. Fighter. Fighters are typically or okay. or like uh or like maybe maybe paladins. Paladins are like the uh, paladins are like nice and like forthright. Yeah, paladins are like sword and shield, god fearing. Uh, yeah, they're servants of of a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the righteous path. Yeah, it's true. Um, so uh. So that was the the first session. It was kind of a learn how to use the mechanics, learn how to yeah. roll, uh, learn each other's characters, um, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and so the second session was the actual first 
succession. They escorted a burned little boy to a witch, uh, and then she needed him needed materials, so she sent them on a quest to go get these materials. Mm-hmm. They're going through a swamp, and while going through it, they're jumped by shocker lizards. And these are a pretty unknown thing. I think they were a homebrew made by somebody that I found the sheet for somewhere <laughs> deep in Tumblr. Um, nice. But no they have a pretty tumbling. low challenge rating. Uh, it's okay. like a like a quarter or whatever. So yes, yeah, quarter, sure. Challenge so, rating just being how hard they are to defeat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's a whole ranking system of CR to to um, like party size slash level. There's a whole algorithm that goes into it. Big table that you know. If you're a DM, this is you know you can apply this many CR one eighth creatures to this encounter for a party level of level one characters at five to six people. It's that kind of thing. Okay, like a rule. And they need, okay. They needed shocker lizard tails for this this potion. So um <laughs> it just happens to work out they get jumped by some shocker lizards. So they're battling them and they are all level one. They all take thirty six damage. No, that's that's dead. The, that's dead. The dead. entire party except one person takes thirty six damage. So I'm. Um, what was their What was their HP? What was their max HP? Like eleven? Like somewhere between seven and twelve. <laughs> it was Jesus really Christ. really rough. If you so if you go to zero HP, Nate, you die, and then you start. You have to do saving rolls. Uh, yeah. to, well, you you fall unconscious at yeah. zero. Yeah. If you take double your hit points in damage, you die. No saving rolls. Yep. You are dead. Yep, so the entire party died in the first encounter so instead of saying they took 36 damage i was like you all take like 15 damage so everybody still fell unconscious and then we got to practice saving rolls you got to learn what happens when you die what happens when i get to zero hp well you're gonna find out thankfully it's pretty hard to die in fifth edition D &D. uh i mean especially if you fudge the rolls yeah yeah so so when they all died like that so so was yeah was that whole say thing was that say i don't want to say you doing a poor job but was it just bad luck on that part yeah it was they all like the shocker lizards the way that the priority of hits went the shocker lizards all went last so they attacked as a group and anytime one shocker lizard is within x distance of another one they can do a combined attack so they all attacked and created electricity and shocked the party while in a swamp together it was like the worst case scenario yeah i feel like i feel like you have to separate those as like oh shocker lizards cr a quarter but like pack of shocker lizards cr three there were six of them there was no there were six party members oh my god (laughs) but you know so it is what it is but sometimes that's like you're saying uh (laughs) this will end the game right now that we're not going to do that. That's what we in the business call a TPK. Yes. Uh, which which can stand for one of two things. It's either total party knockout or total party kill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what, what that was, everybody went unconscious, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Everybody but one person. Jesus. Yeah, you were very close to a TPK. What happens in a TPK? One of two things. Uh, if the entire party goes down and unconscious, then the DM can decide what would the characters that are fighting these people do with their unconscious bodies are they uh are they robbers that would steal their things are they militiamen that would put them in jail are they really evil people that would just kill them 
so then are they animals that are going to eat them you know there's there is a there's a a list of what's going to happen next that the players have absolutely no say in typically it's going to end up in jail or death if you uh yeah. if you fall victim to a tpk never a good scenario mm. so if a tpk happens and everybody dies and it's like session three you just restart the entire campaign with totally new characters we were not going to be restarting <laughs> yeah sucks so, to suck but one person survived so they were able to like res one of the people and then they slowly like everybody got back up and and they defeated the lizards but i did have a backup plan that if everybody fell unconscious there was an npc who was going to come in and scare them away scare the lizards away and get everybody back up so there's always that ways that you can manipulate yep. the game to to save people but because it was in a swamp the N the npc that was going to come in was shrek okay, okay. oh perfect <laughs> perfect yeah Oh, Shrek. that's awesome. And um, that's, of course, yes. the best part of being a DM is I can write Shrek into my story. <laughs> so, okay, here's a question. So okay. you said you fudged the die rolls. So you're yeah. the DM. So yeah. you can fudge die rolls, but players can't, I assume. Correct. Get that out of your mouth. Get that out of your mouth. Players are never allowed to fudge die rolls ever. Never, ever, ever. Under no circumstances can <laughs> so, a player ever fudge a die roll. No. DMs so the, is fine. So the nice thing about uh, about the way that we play is we're doing it all through Discord. So we have a dice rolling bot in Discord. So I can see all of their rolls. And I roll all of my dice here in the physical world. So they have no idea what I roll. Mm. So I can make up whatever I want. 99.9% .9 of the time, I go with what's on the dice. The mm -hmm. only time I don't mm -hmm. is when it is going to ruin the game, ruin the fun. That's, and that's, that's the general that, rule of thumb. That is the rule of – that's what a DM is supposed to do mm -hmm. from my perspective is keep the game moving forward and fun. Well, so, that's what that's Gary Gygax's perspective as well. It's the, that's Yes, that's exactly what is supposed to happen. And um, it says right in the, the handbook, both the player and the DM handbook, that the DM's decision is final. Even if it directly goes against the rules written in this book that you're reading right now, this Correct. is the rule book. The DM's rules are better than this, than are, supersede this rule. Mm -hmm. And well, typically DMs will have a screen that they roll behind. Mm -hmm. um, everybody sits around the table, like picture, picture a long table, right? Your party's sitting along the sides of the table. The DM sits at the head of the table. And in front of the DM is a large, um, like, uh, trifold piece of, of cardstock decorated with imagery and dragons and whatever um that on the back has a bunch of different tables of of you know uh you can get ones that have like oh these are goblin stats and hobgoblin stats if you're ever just like oh, i'm gonna throw this at you one's got like conditions and stuff little little notes for the mm -hmm. dm to have and they just roll everything behind the screen because mm -hmm. all of the players roll in front of each other and it is a community experience and the dm hides behind the screen of secrecy that mm -hmm that says, okay, well, this guy rolled a nat 20, which is going to kill three of you. But what I'm going to say is this guy missed, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. And okay. you'll never know. So how do the players perceive that? Do they like that? Or do they, they think? They don't know. They don't know. Ideally, they would never find out. Okay. Unless they're listening in on a podcast where I'm telling this story. Well, well, everybody knows it's the practice. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of people are familiar with the practice of of DM fudging roles. Um, it's very very commonplace. It's kind of what's supposed to happen. Nobody addresses it. Nobody would ever call out the DM on it. Mm -hmm. That's that's just kind of one of those unspoken rules. You do not call out your DM if you think they helped you somehow. Um, if if you if you think they hurt. 
well then you rules lawyer them and you pull out you can at that point put out pull out the book and you can yeah. you and know, then you will actually fun. them well actually. actually push the glasses up uh <laughs> but but yeah no uh ideally the the player just hangs back and lets what happens happen mm-hmm. if the dm says success it's a success if the dm says failure it's a failure and, and I mean, from your perspective, Nate, let's say you're a player in this game and I tell you, you all should be dying right now, but I'm fudging this role, so you're not actually dying. Are you going to be mad about that? Because the other option is the game's over, we're done. Yeah, you say thank you. <laughs> uh, I, see, I might be thank mad. You, it would remove the mystique of me te- if I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I'm putting myself in that position, and it would kind of ruin the idea that my character is doing something. Like, mm-hmm. like, like. oh, it's the DM kind of, like, that helped me win here. It's not, like, my character or the situation. It kind of changes the story a little bit. I, I could see something where it's, like, you know, maybe tell me, like, a, you know, my personal god or something like came down and said hey here's a second chance you know roll again or whatever but, but if it's just like okay Nate, you're gonna die here i don't want you to die so i'm just gonna fudge this rule for you like like it kind of takes the agency up from the players so, so i could i could see the impetus for not telling your players that you're fudging if you are fudging right yep exactly which which is the the general rule um but i think the players as long as they don't know they're they don't care and mm. the it's the rule of like don't ask don't tell except yeah. not in a weird yeah. gross way with the military <laughs> except get that paramilitary shit out of here exactly exactly except with a real military that fights dragons like real <laughs> heroes do it's kind of interesting that uh that dm's fudge dice rolls because it's 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 actually something that happens in real video games too to some degree because like video games have luck been something that they do is let's say that a player gets unlucky too much they usually have it programmed in there so that they'll actually get lucky again so like in XCOM I believe like you can have like say these shots which are 95% and you can dismiss them and you can dismiss all your shots and you know it, it, that happens to everyone but at some point it's programmed in so that you're you're gonna hit someone eventually because you know, it's statistically likely to happen, but it's not really fun for a player just to lose all their shots and to miss everything. So, right. games are kind of programmed to do that as well, like uh, video games. Not all of them. So, but yeah. So we've we teased in the the title here, which I just <laughs> read and realized we is... haven't told a single story. Well, of course, I did. I talked about the uh, shocker lizards. Oh, that's not uh, shocker lizards yet. Um. That you you labeled this WNNT Live, which is not the name of our show. We need need talk. <laughs> what is the name of our show? <laughs> I don't know why that got me so much, but it was your delivery. I think that was fucking flawless. <laughs> oh man! Um, but amazing can't miss D and D stories with Wingate. So um, okay. I blame Wingate for not telling any stories yet. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I've got a couple. I've got a couple. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, we're going to cover these stories next episode, only because this episode is running a little long. So, uh, hey, n- next time on We Need to Talk, part two of this, where we actually get to the stories this time, maybe, probably. We need to talk.